Hey, y'all, I got a question for you. What's a piece of gear that you maybe have unintentionally overlooked in your rig throughout the years? Well, for me, it's always been guitar cables. I figured ah, it just goes from the guitar to the amplifier or the guitar to the pedal board to the amp. And if one breaks, whatever, I'll just go buy another one. No big deal. Thanks to the fine folks at Runway Audio, though, I have finally seen the light. Runway Audio is based in Nashville, Tennessee, which is awesome for me because that's right down the road. But it's awesome for you as well because Runway has the best cable on the market. And what makes it the best, you ask? Well, it has the lowest capacitance of any cable on the market right now at 20 picofarads per foot. And pretty much all that capacitance is is the ability to store an electrical charge. The lower the capacitance is, the less tone that it sucks from your cable from your guitar on the way to your amplifier. So if you're in the market for anything cable-related, whether it's instrument cables, patch cables, XLR cables, speaker cables, power cables, you name it, Runway Audio has got you covered. And if you go down to my link tree, click the link for Runway Audio. Any purchasing you will do, I will get a little bit of a kickback from that, which is always appreciated. So check out all the awesome stuff that Runway Audio is doing and pick something up to get the best tone possible. This episode today is brought to you by Stringjoy Guitar Strings, the finest strings on the market. For me, it has been the Orbiters that have been my absolute go-to ever since they've come out, and that's their coated electric strings. But if the coated thing's not your thing, totally get it. The signatures in the Broadways in their electric line, top-notch quality. For acoustic guitars, they have their Naturals and their Brights, along with the Foxwoods, which are their coated Phosphor Bonds. For all you bassists out there too, they have the signatures and the rangers. Full disclosure, the link down below is my affiliate link. So if you would like to check out Stringjoy, click that link down below. Not only will you be getting the finest guitar strings on the market, but you'll also be helping out this podcast, which I greatly appreciate. So head on over to Stringjoy today. I'm not even close to the tip of the iceberg of all the awesome things that Stringjoy does. So click the link down below and check them out for yourself. Welcome back to Man the Helm podcast. Today I have another returning guest, Lindy Day. How is it going? Hey, thanks for having me. I've been looking forward to this one for for a while. Well, it's kind of funny because um, I can't remember the exact date, but this is almost a year prior, a year in the future now to when our first interview was. It was in July. I can't remember when, but Auspicious. we're we're, we're pretty, pretty much right at a year right now. So it's kind of cool. That is kind of cool. Yearly, yearly check in. I'll see you next year. <laughs> hey, I'm down for it. All Absolutely. Right. So um, for those that haven't listened to that first episode, pause this one. Go back, it's pretty early on, and check out that first interview I did with Lindy, because uh, this one, we're not going to get into the backstory. We already did all that stuff. So we're kind of just going to do like a, a year update. Let's just keep it that kind of format. So what have you been up to this past 365 days? <laughs> uh, the 365 days have been a lot of growth. Yeah. Oh, man. It's Which is both good and bad, right? Like, everything comes with... I don't want to say curses and blessings, but um, everything changes is what it is. It's a lot of changing. Yeah. 
which is fine. Some people do oil change. Some people don't. Musicians tend to love that, so that's cool. Mm -hmm. um, but there's been new music coming out. Um, I have an EP in the works right now. We're in the recording studio. The social media thing has grown. There's Okay, we're, let's get into it. There's now... I'm moving into YouTube, um, which nice. was not really planned, but I've been doing these 60-second short-form content you know, pieces, which I love. There's now an opportunity to start doing more long-form content. So... Um, Let's move over to YouTube is, is starting to happen, too. Yeah, I think that's important, though, like you were kind of talking about as far as like that change uh, or what's a good business term for that pivot mentality as a musician. Right. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to because because for you, if, if I remember correctly, like TikTok was the big thing, you know, mm -hmm. that that's what really got you going as far as like what you were talking about, that short form content. Hey, let me show you how to do this in 60 seconds. Um. But what's really awesome and what happens with a lot of creators, what I'm seeing with you, is people want more of you. They want to know something deeper than, hey, let me show you this in 60 seconds. They want to sit down with you for 10, 15, 20, maybe even 30 minutes mm -hmm. for a, a YouTube video, which entails quite a lot more work. It's, it's, it's a lot more work than just saying, hey, I'm going to set my phone up real quick and I'm going to do a 60-second lesson. I'm going to show you how to play this. Mm -hmm. But I think the payoff in the future, like next year, if you really start hammering home YouTube, I mean, it, it just could be exponential at that point. You know what I mean? Well, there's, um, if there's any other music content creators out there, everyone's journey is different. But what I've gained from it is the short form content is really interesting. You tend to get a lot of, I don't want to say short attention spans, but you, you kind of do. People, okay, the short form content is great. It's almost like people, how do I say this? I'm trying to say I have. I'm just, I'm just going to say it. I'm trying to say I haven't made as much money as I thought I would on short form content, which is fine. Sure. I'm trying stuff out, right? A lot of us did that in the pandemic. Um, so it's been interesting because that's been gathering an audience. Having an audience and a following is, is a form of like leverage, currency, however you want to think about it. So it's interesting Absolutely. taking all of that and moving it to YouTube. Exactly like you're saying, things are going to grow exponentially. Um, we've got a cool business plan. There's like a book that's coming out with this too. So there's going to be... The whole nice. thing, there's a lesson book coming out. Yeah, when we teach, I have a partner. When I go on this YouTube, we're going to do this together. Um, we're going to teach some of the lessons from the book, try to sell the book. So all of a sudden, there's this business funnel that's happening, which actually mm -hmm. has been something I've been missing because during the pandemic, I just got on TikTok and just taught lessons. It, right. it was that deep or it wasn't that deep. Um, so there really was no business funnel and that's okay. It's okay to just try stuff and see what works, you know? Mm -hmm. So YouTube is now a very focused, focused project. It, yeah. And, and, the, and the good thing is, is you already have a solid workflow for the short form content. You can still just knock those out, mm -hmm. you know, just at the same frequency. Um, but, you know, you just have to, like I said, kind of just shift your focus a little bit. Because when you start to have that established fan base like you do on TikTok, you know, now not every single person that follows you on TikTok is going to head over to your YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. But those uh what would i don't want to discredit anybody that's a fan of yours but the people that want to see so much more than just a 30 or 60 second lesson they're going to immediately beeline for that youtube channel and now you're going to have that cross pollination you know what i mean yeah well everybody's at different stages in their learning as well i do educate yep. i do 60 second educational videos just letting you guys know um so yeah, everybody's at a different stage some people just want to come home after work and hang out and play their yep. six favorite songs the, the 60 second lessons are probably for those people and that's fine. Like it's all good. 
but there are people who have a little more time or they're in a different situation. Maybe they want to study more. Maybe the kids are finally out of the house. That happens a lot. They want to get back in, right? So all of a sudden, these 20-minute videos, they're in for it. And both are yeah. fine, but it's just understanding that audience and saying, oh, I want to serve both of these people, even though both is education. It's kind of like tied with a different bow. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You know, that's it's, it's kind of funny how you talked about, you know, everybody in their different, you know, stages of their learning. Um, I've been doing guitar lessons at a local mom and pop shop, nice. and I think I have, I think, 11 students now. Hey, congratulations. Um, yeah, it's been going pretty well. But it's so funny to me um, in person how quickly you have to be able to shift that learning experience, you know. And it's been really awesome to – it always keeps me on my toes, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? I'm trying to get from, you know, teaching uh, maybe somebody that's in their early teens, you know, maybe a 13, 14-year-old that is really, really taken off and then shift over to, like you said – uh, a guy, a girl that maybe just does it for fun when they get home. They just want to relax and jam for a minute. So um, it's it's kind of forced me to have to think outside of what I think they should do and really focus just on the student, which is awesome because you get that direct feedback. The problem that I see with social media lessons is you don't immediately get that direct feedback. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's kind of hard to... Uh, focus that lesson. But if you have that plan, kind of like what you're talking about, as far as, okay, we're going to, you have a book that's coming out, you're just going to teach from the book, you're going to work on selling that. I think that's a really good move forward for you. Well, you just touched on something that's really important to me personally. There are a lot of educators on YouTube and they're also like these, everyone's doing great work. There's a lot mm -hmm. of contributing to the, to the music community. I can tell when someone teaches students like out in the wild, out for real, like you're sitting in a room one-on-one -on -one with students and then you come on YouTube and share information. And I'm not saying one is worse or better. I'm not saying that at all. But what tends to happen when you work with people live, dude, you start to realize that we, we are in a people business. We think yeah. we're in a music business. We're actually in a people business. And you kind of get that when you do those one-on-one -on -one lessons. I promised myself no matter like what the teaching does online, wherever it goes, I still want to always, always do my one-on-one -on -one lessons with students because... Absolutely. I love teaching people. There's mm -hmm. one big fundamental problem when you're learning online, like on YouTube or something like that. Uh, you cannot ask questions to a YouTube video. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and people are aware of that. So here's the issue is, you know, you're learning on YouTube or whatever. You come across a concept that might be a little esoteric, like modes. Right. And then you hear people say it, you hear people explain it, you want to ask a question, but you can't. And that's where the live teacher comes into play. Is like, yeah, this is yeah. a hard concept. Sit down with me. Let's really work out, like, what are relative majors and minors? That's kind of esoteric, you know? Yeah. Well, and the, the other, uh, and this isn't very prevalent, at least from what I've seen. I mean, it is there, but you, you have the, uh, oh, what is it? The armchair quarterbacks that are actually, this is this, you know, and they start off with the actually... You know, well, actually, you, you shouldn't teach it like this because this is how I teach it and this is how I learn. It's like, okay, awesome. That's great that you learned it that way. But mm -hmm. this this is a teach like, you know, if I'm teaching a student, I've, I've had those students that it's like, oh, well, I learned it this way. It's like, okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Well, let's look at the way we learned, you learned it and let's kind of try to, let's kind of meet in the middle somewhere. You know what I mean? Let's mm -hmm. what, give me, give me like 15 minutes to talk to you about this and see if we can maybe, I'm not saying change your mind but add to what you already know. That's you know what I mean? really, I'm glad that you do that. That's very, it's like a wisdom, wisdom thing. That's good. 
Like, well, wait, can you give it, me an example? Like, what does that look like when someone comes to you? I'll give you an example of mine in a second, but when someone comes sure. to you and says, well, I did it this way, like, what exactly does that mean? The biggest thing that I've been coming across with people here lately that are on the edge of that, like, beginner intermediate level mm -hmm. is they've learned specific shapes. Now, it doesn't matter if it's chords, scales, modes, it doesn't matter but they get stuck in those boxes. Like, so for instance, if we were to play minor pentatonic and you're going to play through my, the five shapes of the minor pentatonic, they know the shapes. They can play it exactly how, well, they can just run through the scale. Mm -hmm. But then when it comes to the actual practical application of utilizing, I, I, I've had this uh, younger kid, he just had this realization that there are only five notes in that minor pentatonic scale. Mm -hmm. And now he's just like, wait, I can play these five notes anywhere. Like, exactly. Mm -hmm. So do not worry. I'm not trying to say don't learn your box shapes, but what I see happen is when you don't have that foundational knowledge of just what notes you're playing within a certain chord or a certain scale, you get stuck into, well, this is the only way I can play a C chord. Mm -hmm. I know four ways I can play a C chord, and these are the only four ways I can ever do it. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, no, we're just going to kind of take a step back and kind of reinforce what you already know by something you're not familiar with, yeah. if that makes sense. It totally does. Um, pattern stuck is a word I've been using lately. There you go. Right, yeah. and you don't really need to explain that, just pattern stuck. And here's the thing. Guitarists love patterns. Our, we have a literal grid. It's a grid yeah. in front of us. How could you mm -hmm. not utilize patterns, you know? Absolutely. But there comes a point, it's, it's empowering to know why these patterns are formatted the way they're formatted. And that's mm -hmm. where music theory comes in. And this is the hard part. It's, it's not everybody's at that level to hit that just yet. So sure. one of the graceful things about a teacher is knowing when to share that information yep. with a student because you'll lose people if you share it too early. So... um. Oh, that's interesting, but you got to do it in a way where you're like, hey, I'm going to show it to you this way, but you might have a teacher later on or might watch a YouTube video later on that might explain it a different way. They're both mm -hmm. correct because ready for the golden rule? <gasps> Music's usually not final. <laughs> There's usually two or three ways right. to interpret a concept. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and the thing that I've, I've, I've always tried to encourage, not, not just students, but just people in general, it's like, don't don't stick to something you already know. Always take time at least once a week to get outside of your comfort zone. If you're at that, you know, higher level intermediate player, play, play a genre that you're not comfortable with. You know, if you're a rock guy, go, you know, jam over like, I don't know, something like a jazz fusion track or something. It's still familiar enough to where you can still jam over it but it makes you have to kind of rethink what you have to do to navigate those chord progressions. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not saying like go all the way out in left field and like if, you know, you're a chicken picking country guy, next thing you know, I want you to play, you know, I, I don't know. Neoclassical shred. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Exactly. Some, something like that where it's really fluid, a lot of legato techniques, not as, you know, percussive with, you know, your right hand or left hand, depending on how you hold the guitar. But yeah, that's that's sort of the thing. Mm -hmm. I've always tried to not only have that with me, but with people I'm teaching, people I'm talking with, mm -hmm. you know. It, you never stop learning. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's the case with any discipline. Like whatever you're passionate about, you never stop learning about that particular thing. Yeah. You know. Um I do all these 60 second lessons on Instagram and YouTube and TikTok and everything and I still have a teacher I meet with every Friday and I'm the student. Yeah. And it's like 
that one never ends. And he's in the same boat too. He's very much a believer of like, you know, I'm still working on things, I'm still learning things. Um, and it's interesting because if you look at some of the other big, just guitarists and big musicians, people who are at the top of like their game, top of the industry, they share these values too. You don't see a lot of gatekeeping with like, no, just like John Mayer, you know what I mean? Very welcome, right. very warm, like guitar player, very just let's share our musical voices, you know? Um, Dave Matthews band. Like, there's so many bands where you could find that example. But it's interesting because, um, yeah, man, the, the, I don't want to talk about gatekeeping. Here we are, though. <laughs> um, I guess I'm bringing it up because learning is a process where you do have to keep your mind opened. Yeah. Um, when I first started learning modes, I did the thing where it was like, start on the second degree of the C major scale. And now you mm -hmm. have Dorian mode. It's like, oh, cool. But that's very pattern-based. When I'm in a jam session, I'm not thinking about Dorian mode that way. It was helpful right. to learn it, and I'm glad I did. But as you grow and progress, you do kind of change these concepts. Dorian mode is just a sound to me. It's just like, yep. that's a scale. I, yep. It is what it is now. Um, and it's kind of like grown off and become its own little idea for me. So yeah. just being aware that that growth and those changes happen within music and musicians and the way you relate to music is just, it's beautiful. And that's, like, that's something I, I want more musicians to carry with them. Yeah, I, I don't see a whole lot of gatekeeping in, I guess, a traditional sense mm -hmm. these days when it comes to teaching because everybody is trying to, um, at least the creators are putting out stuff like that. Where I do see, I guess, quasi-gatekeeping is in the comments of like kind of what I alluded to earlier. It's just like, oh, well, that's not how you do this. It's And they, they write you, you know, a paragraph of why you're wrong. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it's great. okay. My my question to them is always, okay, well, if, if I'm teaching it wrong, I want you to show me how I'm teaching it wrong. Mm -hmm. And I don't want it in a paragraph sentence, like, make me a video, show me what I'm doing wrong. Because mm -hmm. if I was talking to you in person and you were like, hang on, that that's not right. You, and I'm like, okay, cool. I want you to show me what's right then or what you perceive is right. You know, because at that point, I'm still learning something. Mm -hmm. You know, taking that, you know... It, it's it's not as prevalent as I think it used to be. I'm sure it still I agree exists. With that. And yeah, it's not yeah. as prevalent as it used to be. Yeah, but that that's my thing. It's just like, well, if there's still people like that, there's still learning that needs to happen mm -hmm. at that point. Okay, so what what am I doing that you disagree with? And it's it, I I don't know. I just don't. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, no, you're fine. Okay, I have I mean super similar experience with this, but I've noticed there are people. I always go and look because some people will leave. I just got a comment today. Um, someone's like, oh, yeah, tell them to go out and just write another, like, simple song or the comment was something like this, right? Mm -hmm. I, I like to go and see if they're followers of me or not because that gives me some information. Um, if they follow yeah. me, sometimes what's happening is they're trying to add to a conversation. It's sure. really clear when you can tell someone's really just trying to, well, actually, right. well, I say it's really clear, but kind of knowing that difference helps me because that'll help me respond to the comment differently. Um, some people really sure. do just want to add to the conversation. Sometimes it's hard mm -hmm. to pick it up in text, but there is still gatekeeping that goes on. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. Addressing it is hard too. Um, addressing it's hard uh, in the comments. I, I think it's, yeah, because like you just kind of said too, things get taken out of context and text. You know, you could be saying, well, hey, I really appreciate the information. I'm going to look more into that. But they could read it as, well, I appreciate that information. Mm -hmm. I guess I'll look in. You know, they could they could perceive you as 
you know, having some animosity with a comment that you just meant generally like, oh, yeah, that's a great point. I'm mm-hmm. going to check that out. Or you how know, about so. this one? I'll do a like chord progression. I'll be like, hey, guys, here's a super common chord progression. I want to show you four different ways to play it or something like this. And then I'll leave in the description, what's your favorite chord progression, right? And right. on those posts, it's a it's an open door. Like, guys, add to the conversation. Yeah. And it's with the understanding. No one's correcting me. We're just we're having a discussion. And that's a really important thing to have online. I think having those discussion forums, there's a, couple, there's a lot of other creators that do it in a really safe and nurturing way. That's awesome. Sure. Um, and it has gotten a lot better than it used to be. Um, yeah. I, yeah. It, it, there, I feel like, unfortunately, there are always going to be somebody that that it's that personality type. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure you've ran into people like that before that if you've done something, they've done it better, faster, whatever. You know, I, I don't know what, what that trait is associated with, but, um, I, I think that's kind of the type of person that's commenting on that sort of video. You know what I mean? And I'm not yeah. trying to, I, I don't have any animosity towards anybody. I'm not singling anybody out specifically. I got you. You know, I'm, I'm just giving my opinion as to why I think those comments happen. Well, you here's, I mean? here's what's up. I'll, I do it with private, it's easy to do with private students. I'll meet people where they're at. Sure. If I get a 17 year old, like male student who just wants to shred, dude, I got you. Like, let's go right. shred. You're not interested in theory. I get it. I'm going to meet you where you're at. Like, I get that. Mm-hmm. It's easy to do when you have one-on-one people and one-on-one students, because I know you personally. I see where you're at. I'll learn stuff about your personal life. Like, we'll chat. I see right. you. I don't have the energy or the time or the space to do that with every single person online. So, no. you know, if I got that comment in a real lesson, well, why don't we just do it this way? I'm going to sit with you. I'm going to meet you. I'm going to address that with you, right? But you can't do that with everyone at every time and every moment. So it really comes back to, like, who's in your community? What is your community about? Does your community vibe with, you know, the just the feeling that you guys have within the community? Yeah. Um, So it's important, too, finding, like, safe places to talk about all this stuff. Well, and I think that's why when you're talking about, you know, starting to hit YouTube pretty hot and heavy, you're going to be relatively successful pretty shortly because you've already built that community, you know, on your, on TikTok and Instagram and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. YouTube is from what I've seen is a little more brutal as far as the comment section goes, It is, yeah. but you'll already, it's not like you're starting from square one, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not like you're just like, okay, YouTube's the main thing. I'm just going to start on YouTube. I don't have any other social media. I'm just going to start on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be kind of hard to get that traction. You know, I've I've talked to guys and girls that have started the YouTube channel and the first two years of them doing anything, there was zero traction just because that's where they started. Yeah. Now, if that's what you want to do, I don't see a problem with that. But um, I can't remember who gave me this advice. But um, they were talking about social media and marketing yourself as a musician or just marketing yourself in general. And it's just really lay into one platform mm-hmm. that you really are comfortable with. Yeah. And like you did with TikTok, super easy to grow on TikTok, super easy to have that short form kind of silly, almost um, content, but mm-hmm. then also have the educational side behind it. Mm-hmm. And now when you're starting to kind of pivot away to, I guess, I quote unquote, more serious, I don't think you're less serious now. I'm just saying, you know, I understand about YouTube. Yeah. 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 Now, you know, you're going to have that yeah. kind of start to happen for you a little quicker. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I'm, I'm more than happy to check in with you, you know, in like six months and tell you how YouTube has been going. Because um, 
I know sure. you get a lot of music content creators and I think these conversations are helpful for people. Um, I, I have a little knowledge of what I'm doing, but I've never like done YouTube before. So this really is like, we'll see how it goes. Um, we'll see how it goes. I got the same advice though. My sister works in social media management, so I get a lot of tips okay. from her. And the way she explains it is you think of each social media platform like a cocktail party and, sure. um, maybe they're like monthly cocktail parties or something. And you go to this mm -hmm. one for networking. It's every the first Thursday of every month and you go and you go for a couple of months and you start to meet the people and know the people. And then you get like, Oh, there's like inside jokes happening here and they dress this way. Oh, and this drink is super popular. And you get really good at going to that cocktail party and networking there. Once you feel secure and safe in there, like you've done enough growth, then you can start going to other cocktail parties. <laughs> and she's like, this is how you think about social media. You do go on one platform, get to know it, get to understand it, get to know the ins and outs, get to know the algorithm. Oh my gosh. Yep. And then once you feel you got that, go ahead, branch out to other things. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I get the, um, I, I've helped a few uh, students kind of get started on social media because they really want to, you know, nice. try to put themselves out there, which I definitely agree with, you know, if that's what they want to do. Um, the problem that I've seen that they have is the individuals that start off on TikTok, it's almost like you get that instant gratification. It's very easy to grow. It doesn't take a whole lot of work as far as like figuring out the algorithm. It does eventually, I, I feel like. But that first initial like thousand followers, mm -hmm. you know, you're kind of just being able to be yourself. Yeah. To, and you still want to be yourself, but, but, you know, you're not having to put as much work into seeing, you're not paying attention to your analytics and all that. You're just trying to get that thousand so you can go live and yeah. hang out with everybody. Um, I have a student that got mad about it because he was talking about YouTube and how it's, how musicians are so oversaturated. Mm -hmm. And the biggest piece of advice that I can tell anybody, especially I was, I told this to him and anybody listening, you haven't done it. <laughs> Whatever the thing is that you are wanting to do, you yourself have not done it. You're going to have a different perspective. Mm -hmm. You're going to have a different way of explaining whatever it is you're doing. You're going to have a different video format mm -hmm. to everybody else you know so the oversaturation thing is kind of I, I don't mean to sound rude but it's almost a cop-out answer because you yourself haven't done it so you mm -hmm. can't say I'm not going to get big here because it's oversaturated for mm -hmm. lessons or demos or whatever it is you want to do on YouTube you know people who because at the end of the day people go ahead I'm sorry well people are like they're fans of you. Yeah. They're not fans of the lesson. Yeah. They're not fans of the piece of gear. They're not fans of whatever. They they like you. That's why they're coming to your channel or your TikTok or yeah. your Instagram. They're fans of you. Oh my God, yeah. The C major scale is the C major scale. If Marty Schwartz is right. teaching it, if Justin Guitar is teaching it, if I'm teaching it, it's the C major scale. You know right. what I mean? But we go to people like Marty Schwartz because there's a vibe there. There's a community there. There's like this chill, yeah. like, what's up, man? Justin Guitar has a whole vibe going on there. And that's, I mean, coming back from the conversation earlier is the community building. Every commu every cocktail party, whatever you want to call it, has its own little, like, personalities and, like, yep. jokes and stuff like that. So if you feel like you have a perspective, and can I just say it because it's super obvious, I'm a female guitar teacher. We all know that. We could see that. We need, we need more of that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, well, I'm going to teach a C scale. 900 people have done it, but I want my perspective out there, too. Um, yeah. Absolutely. This is not just a gender thing. This is true for anyone, anywhere. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, do the thing. If you have the time and the energy, do it. The oversaturation is not a problem. Ugh. No. It's not a problem. It's a barrier of entry. It's not a problem. 
Sure. Yeah. I think it's more of a problem mentally for the individual than it is mm-hmm. for anything else, you know, because you see, you, you see the people that are teaching a similar lesson to you or doing something similar to you. And, you know, you're not getting that, you're not seeing what it took for that individual that's doing significantly better than you. Mm-hmm. The time and effort that they had to put in prior to them getting to that point. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You're seeing you're seeing just numbers like, oh, man, this video has, you know, tens of thousands of views and mine only got like five. It's like, well, dude, you only Ooh. have 50 subscribers. So that's actually pretty well, freaking actually, good. Actually, I, I just did this post last week. So, oh, my God, there's a new um, content creator on TikTok, amazing guitar teacher. I'm so glad he's on TikTok. Um, he did a video where he was like, hey, here's the whatever seven things I wish I knew as a beginner guitarist. And these are common sure. videos. I see them on YouTube all the time. I haven't seen many of them on TikTok or as many. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, are we doing this format? Let's do it. His video got like half a million views. I was like, go, dude. That's awesome. I did the right. format. Here's the seventh thing, right? Didn't catch. It didn't do as well. I don't know why. Like, whatever. You could analyze it to death if you wanted to. But there comes a grace to just just try stuff. It's okay if you put out a video and it only reaches 3,000 people as opposed to like half a million people because here's what's up. Your your audience building as you do it. It's not just about the numbers, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You could be reaching like your 50 super fans and that's all you needed to do, you know? Right. Um, The number game is a cycle lot. Ooh. Because social media is trying to keep you on their platform too. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I've I've been dealing with this a little bit lately. Um, All right, I'll just share it. The TikTok stuff, actually, the algorithm has changed and my stuff hasn't been as popular on TikTok as it has been in the past, which is fine. This is part of being a social media person, right? I think we all experience this to some degree. On other platforms, on Instagram, it's doing really well. But there comes a point, like, I get dizzy. My head just hurts. I'm like, man, I just want to put out 60-second videos, do the education thing. I know it's doing well here. I'm going to cross-post. So, I don't know. The numbers has kind of been hitting me a little bit, too. I don't quite know what the solution is, but I'm just caring a little a little bit less about statistics it's just the boat i'm in right now i i think it's important though because when you start to really care about statistics you're you're taking your focus away from the content that you're trying to put out you know what i mean yeah. you're trying to overanalyze what you did wrong but you didn't really do anything wrong like you said the the algorithm just kind of shifted away from you mm-hmm. and I, i've seen that with tiktok of, as as far as like the ebb and flow of numbers and stuff like that you know I, I was I went to uh, I went to go see um, the darkness last year down in Nashville, mm-hmm. and I posted some silly video about me reacting to things that make guitar players mad. <laughs> it blew up. I walked out of that concert, and I have never had so many phone notifications. Congratulations! On my phone. I still have no idea what it was mm-hmm. because most of my videos they they average out to i don't know it's it's not very many views but mm-hmm. i i'm looking at the average as long as i hit around the average for yeah. a video yeah. i'm pretty happy with it you know but like you said sometimes that algorithm just takes that video and next thing you know it's just pushing it out to everybody mm-hmm. i'm still getting likes on that video from a year ago nice. you know what i mean congratulations and it's just yeah well it's just weird though you mm-hmm. know what i mean but the hope is that silly little video that I posted will redirect at least a handful of people mm-hmm. to the other things I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's kind of the way I've always kind of looked at TikTok. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
I, I'm using that for that top of the funnel as far as the marketing, right? You know, you get you get them hooked with a funny video on TikTok, and then it just slowly trickles down, and hopefully, some people make it to the podcast. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? That's that's really the end goal, yeah. right? Yeah. And same thing with you and YouTube. You know, that's you know that that trickle down effect to to YouTube mm-hmm. where. Um, and I, I, I know some creators don't really like talking about it, but at the end of the day, I mean, this is what a lot of creators do for a living. So we got to make money. Actually, can we talk about that? Because this has been a big sure. one for me Absolutely. lately. Um, yeah. That's a big one because if you're doing education, humor videos, whatever it is, if you're building a community and being a musician and sharing a conversation on social media, you should get paid for that. Yeah. You, ju- you should. It's this crazy concept where our society doesn't value musicians, which has always been weird to me. And then we kind of, depending on what realm you're in, uh, some of us don't really value content creators like that. I'm spending a lot more time in LA this year and LA seems to be a place where they really do value content creators. I live in New Mm -hmm. York right now and it's, it's a little different. There's a little bit of like, I don't want to say shame because I don't have shame, but I've seen other people be like, Oh yeah, just a social media influencer. Um, but it's been interesting. Me personally, I haven't made as much money as I would have liked to or hoped to or money that's a, like equal to the work I've put in on social media uh, for mm-hmm. the past two years. Um, it's been interesting because I've been looking at that more, especially as this YouTube channel comes up, because now I see a business funnel where the YouTube channel could be really, really successful. Absolutely. So there is this other concept. Check this out. Musicians, we sit and practice and we don't get paid for that. We get paid when we do the gig. Right. Mm-hmm. And we get we usually get paid like a lot of money per hour when you do the gig. This is not news to anyone. Social media seems to be for me at least the same way. You do a lot of videos. You don't get paid at first. You do a lot of work. You don't get paid at first. You answer comments, whatever. And then kind of down the line, you will start getting opportunities and maybe paid placement ads if you want or gear reviews or whatever. It feels very much like sitting and practicing for no pay and then going and doing mm-hmm. the gig. Um, I'm just trying to figure it out. <laughs> well, no, that's a, that's a really good point. Um, and and it's it's funny that you talked about like the geographical locations too because you know I'm in the Nashville area, mm-hmm. and the doing the thing is out gigging. That's the doing the thing. That's the networking. That's the getting to know people. So you know it's even I I kind of get that a little bit. I I don't want to say it's bad, but sort of that same thing of like oh you're just a content creator. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you're in such a musical area where you can get a gig regardless of mm-hmm. time, day, whatever, you, you can find a gig mm-hmm. down here, yeah. you know. Um, kind of to go back to the oversaturation part, though, sure. that's the bad part about Nashville because, you know, if you don't perform at a gig or you don't accept a gig, there's 15 other people ready to take your place right now, mm-hmm. you know, with, with at the drop of a hat. Okay. Um, which I do think is... It, it it's just kind of the nature of the beast down here. That that's just is what it is. But I think if social media is more of a marathon, not a sprint. The getting the gig is the sprint part. That was you know well said. I mean? Yeah. You know, you, you're you're getting the, you're getting a, a decent gig. Maybe you know it it's for a couple weeks. Maybe it's for a couple days. Mm-hmm. I mean, whatever it is, you're going to get paid relatively well for that gig. But at the end of the day, that artist or whoever might not ever use you again. They, yeah. they, they probably appreciate your service when you're, you know, with them. But at the end of the day, they're, they're going to find somebody else the next time around. It's, it's not a personal thing either. It's just like what kind of what I said, the nature of the beast. Yeah. Well, music, musicians get that. We're, yeah. We're yeah. supportively competitive. Yeah. 
it's a weird concept. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For real. Um, actually, interestingly enough, one of the things I'm personally struggling with on social media right now is uh, getting like partnership deals or brand deals or something like that. It's this yeah. never ending treadmill. And that's the part of it that's challenging to me because I need to practice guitar every day. Making videos takes a lot of time out of my schedule. I teach. I got a side project like I'm in the studio. We're doing EP stuff. Adding that piece for going out and getting partnership deals like I want three or four a month. Oh, my God. That's a job on its own. Total job yeah. on its own. And I'm just at the point I'm looking at my priority list and that is important because it's income, but it's like, it's like number six on my priority list and I keep not yeah. getting to it. It blows my mind. How do people do this solo? Uh, wow. Like I, I could hire some help. Um, but you know, there's always that social media thing of how much work are you doing? It's a lot of work. Oh my God. It's a lot of work. Um, yeah. Well, uh, you can talk to any, anybody that is making a living off of social media Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the people that quit a typical nine to five, you know, working 40, maybe 50 hours a week yeah. are now working close to probably 70, 75 yeah. hours a week, at least, you know, it's, yeah. it's a constant thing. You're not, it, it's not just like, Oh, I'm clocked in. It's nine o'clock and I'll be out of here by five. You know, some nights you are going to be working till midnight, one o'clock right. in my case, you know what I mean? Yeah. And we're and not saying people who do have office jobs don't work hard because those people do too. No, it's it's no. a different kind of hard work. So I just want to acknowledge people out there. Like, there's so many musician friends I have who are grinding at Starbucks right now, and then they go and do yeah. the gigs at night, and then they only get like four hours of sleep, and then they got to go do their Starbucks shifts. That's a grind. Like, don't get me wrong. We still value those people, and I see you guys out there who are doing that too. Well, hey, I am in that boat right now. Is that you what know, you're doing I still right now? have that yeah. nine to five. Oh, I'm man. still trying. You know, so that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like. That that's that's the part that's the marathon, right? Because yeah. you're going to you're going to have to work so extremely hard, mm -hmm. and then when it happens, it it all it like I'm sure you've had moments like that where where you're just working your butt off trying to get something done, and then all of a sudden something awesome comes out of it <laughs> out of nowhere. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. And that's what one one of the thing one of the best pieces of advice as a musician that I've always been told is say yes to everything. Because you never know where that yes is going to lead you to. Mm -hmm. Now, that that is a relative yes, okay? I was going to catch you on that, but you got it. Yep, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, that that is a relative yes. Yeah. I'm not saying every single thing, but you, you, most people have good judgment about that sort of stuff. Anyway, you know, you can kind of see if something's going to be a little weird or whatever. Actually, can I like, just jump in real quick? No, go right. Because if yeah. you want to collaborate with someone, I get this a lot. Approach the person you want to collaborate with with like a solid finalized idea. The, like the let yeah. if you wanted to collaborate, I love collaborations. But if you're gonna come to me and be like, oh yeah, I, I don't know, it's just kind of this idea. I have so many things going on. If you just come to me and say, hey, I got this idea, I want to do this exact thing with you, like help me. If you help me, I'm more likely to collaborate with you. So the yes is like, I love that. Work with people. I'm just kind of giving other people like that. That's a really good way to absolutely approach make it easy for me to say yes, you know, and you too. Yeah. Like if I wanted to collaborate with you, same story, make it easy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, um, one of, one of the ideas that I had for a while and it's kind of, we're starting, I'm kind of starting to get some headway on it mm -hmm. was writing a bunch of music. I can't really sing very well, but I can write melodies. I can write lyrics. I can do, you know, everything, but the singing aspect oh, no. of it and find some awesome singers e either around the area mm -hmm. or around, you know, in my social media circles and just, push out a song be like hey what do you think about this completely done you know a rough mix of everything 
and be like, well, here's some words to it. Um, I really like the way you do X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. I'd like you to do this, if you wouldn't mind. Yep. You know, do, lay some vocals on it for me. You know what I mean? And see what we can do. So that's one of those things, like you were talking about. You have to come with a solution. Uh, what's a good word? If, if you have a problem, you have to come with a solution. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? If, if, or if you have an idea, you have to come with that finished product of like, maybe not completely finished, but, but finished to the point idea. where it's almost there. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? And that's the best way to do it. Mm -hmm. Like, easiest thing I can ever tell people, I've, ta I've talked to people about the podcast stuff all the time. Yeah. And I'm sure you can Talk attest to this. Whenever I hit somebody up, whether it's an email, whether it's a DM, I'm a direct. I say, this is what I do. I'd like you to be a guest. Mm -hmm. There's no like, oh, I don't know how to respond to this. Mm -hmm. The only thing we have to establish is a date and time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's easy. That's it. Yeah. And it's, it's easy. That's the way it should be. And that's the way a lot of musicians approach things, especially in the professional environment. You know what I mean? They're the, the whole like, what's the, the whole sex, drugs, rock and roll thing. You know, that's not really a, a thing anymore. Right. You know, people aren't, aren't like, wanting that sort of drama into a project you know what i mean they want you to show up on time do the thing be professional yeah right yeah and social media i mean again depending where you are some people are like oh yeah i'm just on social media but don't degrade what you do be professional yeah yeah i hear what you're saying that's good yeah um there's a mindset i touch with on my students too which is the i should come up with a word for this i'm sure there is um the poor musicians mentality there's like mm -hmm. all the jokes. Aha, musicians don't make money. Aha, we pull like $600 of gear into a car for $60 gig. Aha. And they're jokes and I get that. And like, aha, it's funny. I don't know, man. But sometimes I see it kind of festering in students' minds and we actually have to talk about it. I'm like, hey, you deserve to make money. You, what you do is valuable. Entertainment is a, one of the longest jobs in history. Oh my God, we've been doing entertainment since like the Stone Age. Entertainment's yeah. important. So walking with the confidence and just the expectation that I'm a musician and I can make money because my voice is important. You know, yeah. sometimes on social media that should be brought to. I am a social media person. I am creating a conversation around music. I am bringing a community together. That's valuable. And just walking yeah. around with that, treat yourself professionally because you are. Yeah. Well, um, I can attest that most people that are in my age bracket and below um, don't consume any media outside of social media. Really? Really? Interesting. Well, and like you could name, uh, I was talking to a guy the other day. That's what he does before yeah. he goes to bed is he has these, I, I can't remember what the channel is. It's pretty much where they do a whole bunch. It's, it's, it's very um, Mr. Beast-esque, okay. I guess I could tell. And that's what he does to go to sleep. That's how he disconnects from Got you. Okay. his Got day. You, you yeah. know what I mean? He, he watches a video or two and he goes to bed. And like you were just talking about, that entertainment that he is getting is helping him disconnect mm -hmm. from his real world mm -hmm. just for a little bit. You know, it's giving that relief. You're not watching some BS on the news or whatever you want to watch, you know, whatever. I'm not going to get into all that. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, um, you know, that's... Yeah. You're, you're taking that and you're using that entertainment. And like you said, that entertainment is extremely valuable and people deserve to get paid for that work. Yeah. There's no ifs, ands, yeah. or buts about it. I don't understand why people are scared to talk about that either. Mm -hmm. You know, that one, it does get a lot of pushback. Um, I used to talk about it in the past, but I don't anymore because it's, it is a touchy subject. A lot of people disagree with it. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't know what that is. I, I can 
guess what that is, but I don't really know for sure. Um, if I was yeah. to guess and like call me on this if I'm not getting it, but I think there are a group of people who always like wished they could do it and I always wanted sure. to do this and then they see someone else doing it and they're like, oh, how, you know, you're making money. Do you know what I mean? And I, yeah, the, the must be nice. Yeah. You know? And it's, it's tough because I, again, I want to meet people where they're at. You know, mm -hmm. being a musician's hard and not everybody gets the opportunity to do it. Right. But I don't know if you, and again, this goes back to having students meeting people where they're at is a little bit easier in that instance. And man, I love teaching because you just talk to people and you get to like have these communications with people and help them grow. It's a beautiful thing. Anyways, I'm rambling. Um, no, you're fine. Yeah. It's, it's just something I wish our guitar community did a little better. We can value mm -hmm. money. We can be musicians. We can make money and we deserve to. I just wish the community walked around with that expectation. Actors do it. Yeah. It's okay to be a right. rich actor. Right. If you're like a guitarist who's starting to make a lot of money on social media, there's a weird thing guitarists will do. And I, I'm still trying to figure out what that is. I don't understand it. Uh, I, I, think, I think you're touching on it pretty well, actually, mm -hmm. because I, I do believe that that is the... And I, I could be 100% wrong, too, but I, I personally think that that is the men mentality. It's like, well, I play guitar. Mm -hmm. Why am I not getting... X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. Why is this person getting this, that, and the other? It's like, well, this person that's getting all of this has put a lot of work into their social media, or they have practiced so much to where they're a valuable session player. Like, that's that's where the disconnect is between you sitting being mad about a sponsorship deal, mm -hmm. or you know, free gear getting sent to a guitar player, which is never ever free. <laughs> Nobody ever gets free gear unless true. you are one of the big name top tier players. You know, it's always, hey, we're going to cut you a little bit of a break. Mm -hmm. On top of that break, we need you to film X amount of videos. Mm -hmm. We need you to talk about it this amount. So it's it's not like, a, hey, I'm a big company that I like. I, I make guitars. Lindy Day, here is a guitar mm -hmm. that I normally sell for $1,000. Just keep it. Don't worry about it. Yeah, that's, that's never going to happen. Yeah. You know um, what I mean? Well, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying they're a business just like what you are. Yeah. You're a business. They're in the business of making more stuff, mm -hmm. which in making more stuff, they need to make money. Mm -hmm. That's the whole point of what everything I was yeah. saying. Well, there's the thing I talk to my students about too, which is it's just their time. It's just that person's yeah. time. And that's okay. Like you are going to have your time. You got to stay on the path. Stay mm -hmm. on the path. Don't like your time will happen. And there's, <laughs> you get this concept of, um, my success is your success. And I can do it with mm -hmm. my students. I can't do it with everybody, but I have a music right. community that I'm close with. And it's like, guys, if, if you get, I have a friend in Colorado who just put out a song last week. I'm so proud of my man. Um, and he's part of my community. We're like friends. We met in person. It's, it's awesome. His success is my success. If his song does really well, I'm there supporting it. I'm going to come to his shows. I want to see him play this stuff live. And, you know, I don't know what that means. Just for example, in the future, maybe I'll open for him one day. Maybe I'll need him to open yeah. for me one day. I don't quite know how it's going to go, but support your friends. The music community that you're in is valuable. If they are successful, yeah. their success is your success. Yeah. It's, it's friendly competition. There's got to be a word for that. Um, I mean, I like friendly competition. Yeah. yeah. I, I like that. It's, it, it is, and it's extremely accurate, too, because you know everybody that I know that's doing the thing is always extremely supportive. Mm -hmm. They're still trying to do their thing, yeah. but they are super stoked whenever 
you do something awesome, mm-hmm. you know, and which is really important because that positively reinforces it for you as an individual. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay, this person that I really respect is like, dude, you're killing it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I'm so happy for you. You get a comment like that from somebody that, you know, maybe at one point in time is somebody they were, you, you never thought you were going to be able to talk to or mm-hmm. a musician that's way above your skill level. And they say that to you. That's just like, okay, well, I'm having a good day for the rest of the day. Yeah. Nothing else is going to ruin my day. But that's our you community. And exactly. you, sometimes you can miss that on social media. You can get lonely yeah. on social media. That's one of mm-hmm. the, ooh, I work on that hard. I work really hard to not be that person. But if you are, if you are on social media and you don't have a lot of friends, you don't have time to go do the thing because you're working 70 hours, that's absolutely a place yeah. people can be. And if you do start feeling lonely, that's when you can start getting into those negative mindsets of like, oh, they got free gear. Damn, have a community. It's really, really important. Have your music community, support them, and they'll support you too. Dude, I go through that probably like quarterly. I'm so sorry. No. No, no, it's fine. No, it's fine. Because I, 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 at first I wasn't able to recognize it. And now that I can recognize like that, that kind of like funk coming on, mm-hmm. I'm just like, okay, hold up. Let's scroll through some stuff and let's see where, you know, you got to talk to X, Y, and Z today. Mm-hmm. You know, you, some, so-and-so commented on your stuff. Like, look, man, just because you put out a video and it didn't do very well, it doesn't mean that nobody, people still like you just because they didn't like that specific video. I promise. You know what I mean? But yeah, but keep going. Like you said, it's that mental, that mental block that you hit where you're just like, oh, everything's horrible now. I can't, I shouldn't be doing this. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think everyone deals with that differently, but I do see it come up yeah. a lot in people. And I went through this. Oh, my God, I went through this. Um, I actually started a side project. I want to talk to you more about this in the Patreon interview, but okay. I started a side project, and um, I told myself, Lindy, when you do the side project, you are not allowed to care about statistics. You are intentionally just post stuff you like. It's a music side account, and that's all. And it's right. like it's the most beautiful thing I've ever done. I really like that I'm doing this. My educational mm-hmm. stuff, I do like it. I can get lonely. Um, I love what yeah. I do, but I do have to intentionally create communities and go to people's shows. And there was a jazz show I was trying to go to this weekend, but I missed it just for other reasons. But um, I have a bunch of friends there I wanted to go see. So, you know, it's really, really important to just kind of watch your mind on that. And again, everyone deals with it differently. Like I had to make a side account, yeah. right? You, I don't know what your process is, but you will deal with that differently. And that's okay. Yeah. 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 Well, and it's important to hear other people talk about it, I feel like, because that decreases the loneliness factor that you were talking about. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, well, if this person's going through it, then I guess I'm not the only person, obviously, Mm -hmm. you know, and it, it. If you start to dig a little bit deeper, and that's really why I like long form conversations like this, because you can find your favorite creator and I guarantee you there's somebody that interviewed them for a podcast, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and occasionally they will talk about that, you know, the downfall of that mentality because everybody goes through it at some point in time, Yeah, you know, and hearing somebody that you really respect and you listen to a lot, you know, talk about those hard subjects of, you know, dealing with their mental health or whatever it is. It, it makes you feel like, okay, if they went through it and they came through it, I can do it too. Yeah. That's, that's the sort of mentality. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's really good to know you're not alone. Um, yeah. And yeah, being a content creator, sometimes you, 
that is something we got to look out for. My teacher's been encouraging me to do a some kind of social media collective, which would be okay. this, just content creators who get together intentionally and talk about things like, you know, of course, things like you said, definitely mental health, the community, but also things like, oh, I got this brand deal with X company and they paid me X amount of dollars. And this other person would be like, oh, well, I got that same brand deal from that company, but they paid me Y amount of dollars. And mm-hmm. I think conversations like that, I don't know that if they are or not happening, I'm not having those conversations with other content creators. I would love to start something like that for two reasons, because number one, it's really good. Like it's, it would be a really good conversation to have, but number two, it hits the community thing. Yep. Um, I, I just think it's a, I don't know. It's a really big point for content creators community. I believe yeah. that we've been talking about it for like 20 minutes. <laughs> it is. That's it's important all though. It's all, yeah. Well, it is important. Yeah. It is important. Um, I, I totally meant to talk about this on the main episode. We can touch on it more on the Patreon as well, mm-hmm. but um, music you're putting out. Oh my gosh. Yes. We should talk. Uh, let's, let's talk, talk about some music you're putting out. Oh, okay. My goodness. Yeah. Um, I write tons of music. I used to work for a studio that wrote music for film games and TV, but those weren't originals, but I got tons of experience mm-hmm. doing songwriting and it's yeah. fun. Cause it's like, we have a commercial, right? Uh, you know, song for the cruise, make it Island pop. I'm like Island pop. Okay. Right. So you guys study the genre, do the Island pop. Cool. But it makes you such a good songwriter because you're making these choices you wouldn't normally make. So that experience is crazy helpful. Now I'm at a point where I'm doing my original music and it's, it's been so much fun. It is a creative expression and a creative freedom that I, I really wouldn't have had this five years ago. Like now's the right time. It's just, it's Mm -hmm. just been awesome. Um, it's been awesome. Well, um, I, forgive me. I cannot remember the name of the single you put out. That's all Um, right. It is called new tattoo. You can look on I any streaming service for Lindy Day, New Tattoo, yeah. New Tattoo. Mm-hmm. I love that song. It's so, like, <laughs> poppy and or not the riff itself is, like, bouncy almost. You know what I mean? I, I really, really enjoy it. it. I have to constantly stop myself from, like, you know, bobbing <laughs> my head you. to it, which is not – I don't mean to constantly stop myself. It's just, like, an unintentional thing. Like, the music Three. makes me mm. want to do it. I really, really enjoyed that singlet that you put out. Thanks, it was man. really awesome. I actually yeah. wrote that guitar riff for a student. That was a warm-up. <laughs> See, and that's the thing, because I saw that um, – I believe I saw that on uh, – Instagram, I believe mm-hmm. you kind of put that out and we we're like, yeah, you know, this is, and I'm like, man, see, this is what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're, you're coming up with original music now just off of like a simple exercise, one of your 60 second lessons. You know what I mean? Well, here's or, what's up. That riff, was. like it was tasty. I was like, oh, this is so good. I'm going to keep this in my library. And then when it was time to sit down and write the song, I was like, okay, you have a cool riff. That's not a song. Like we got to work it. So again, going back to making creative decisions when the base, when I had to write the baseline, um, I was thinking about it like, here's the stuff the guitar is covering. The bass should be covering all the in-between notes. So it's interesting yep. if you isolate the bass and the guitar. Um, maybe I'll give this to you and release it on your Patreon if people are interested, just for songwriters. Sure, if you listen absolutely. to the bass and the guitar together, they're actually written as one instrument, is the way my brain mm-hmm. thought about it. And they're filling in each other's syncopation. Yeah. So the riff is cool, but then the bass is like coming in. And when I gave it to the bass player... um. Colin, he, I was like, dude, play this like it's a live show. You can like add any fills you want to add. So he's just playing with, he took the main theme and he's just playing with it. Um, right. So I don't know. That was just a super fun songwriting kind of technique to do. Make guitar and bass talk to each other. I, I think that's one of the things that a lot of people when they're writing songs, um, bass is kind of just one of those like, ah, just follow the guitar. 
Just do whatever the guitar's doing. Mm-hmm. Just just you know, hit the root notes, whatever the guitar's playing, just go with it like that. When when you're which is fine in some cases. I'm not trying to say that that's a bad way to go about things. If that's the way that you're writing music, that's awesome. For me, though, I agree 100% with you. I kind of want that, like, those different, not only sonic spaces, but the note choices to kind of really just bounce off of each other. Whenever I have a riff versus a guitar or a, ba- a bass line, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Um, it's really important to, for me to kind of fill those gaps as musically. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's really cool that I, you know, listening to that song and hearing, you know, that bounciness. I feel like that's what that is attributed to yeah. is, is those two really coming together. Thank you. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. They were definitely supposed to talk. Do you know about uh, the melody contour for songwriters? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. Vaguely. I mean, it's it's exactly what you think. So make up a melody like whatever. That's a jingle. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, that goes. I would draw this, you guys. If you're listening to it, you can't see, but I'm going to like go, but, right? So it's a high note to a low note. You'd actually get a piece of paper and you draw a line that goes from high to low. Da, 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 whatever I sang. You can draw this melody and make it look like, you know, mountains and valleys. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd actually do that. I would draw the melodic line that I sang and I'd put it on top of the guitar and I'd look and see where are the peaks and valleys in relationship to what the guitar is playing at that moment it's just a fun thing. Like it just worked for that song. I'm not going to write every song that way, but that was a really cool technique to do. Right. So the guitar and the bass are talking to each other. Look at the melodic contour on top of that whole thing. And then you start to get this cool thing. You'd be like, wait, the last vocal line of every verse has kind of this peak at the end. What if we made the drummer do a fill at that peak to make the whole song hit at this moment? And that would help me make creative decisions is looking at this thing like a little map. Well, and I, I think that's really what defines, like, you, you can write a good song just with you and an acoustic guitar. Sure. You know what I mean? But when I, when I think of music that makes me feel something, there are those intentional points where everything is either subdued mm-hmm. to a buildup to where everything just hits right back. Yeah. And next thing you know, you just have that, like, overwhelming feeling of, like, oh, that was awesome. Like those moments do happen accidentally, but more often than not, that's that you're trying to get that emotional response out of somebody from writing a song like that, where everything kind of comes back together and resolves back into, you know, something totally, you know, so that's, that's really a a super awesome trick that you're talking about for songwriting. You know what I mean? Kind of, kind of visualizing the song on a piece of paper. That's a, that's a pretty oh, yeah. awesome idea. Songwriting is my favorite thing to teach whenever I get a student who's like, I want to study songwriting. I'm like, yes. Um, it'd be fun if we talk more about songwriting either here or on Patreon or I'm looking at time too. So um, you just let me know. But uh, yeah, songwriting is a whole thing on its own. It's beautiful. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, we have been right at an hour. Mm-hmm. So if you want to talk about songwriting, we can definitely do that on the Patreon episode for everybody listening. If you want to t- check out anything else as far as the conversation we're about to have, just go over to patreon.com forward slash man the helm and you can check out the rest of this conversation that Lindy and I are going to have. Before we wrap this up, though, let's get your plugs out of the way. Where can everybody find you at? Oh, yeah. You guys can find me on TikTok, Lessons with Lindy. Instagram, Lessons with Lindy Official. The YouTube channel we're starting, it's not up yet, but it will be called The Theory Geeks. Um, I'm collaborating okay. with Doug, a, a good friend of mine. Amazing guitar player. That is coming within the next six months. Um, Are those all my plugs? 
Yes, I have a side project we will talk about. I will drop the name here. Emmeline Sterling, which is music that I write for video games, TTRPGs, and D&D. We will talk more about that on Patreon. There we go. Um, all of those will be linked down below as well if you want to check out anything that Lindy is up to. But we're going to go ahead and wrap up the main episode, and we will check you guys next week on Man the Helm Podcast. Thank you so much. <laughs>